Who needs church? That's the question that we're going to be tackling today. Who needs church? I think it's appropriate. I think it is a timely question to ask because we are living in a day when the majority of people, truly, most people don't see the benefit of church. Most people don't see the value or a need for church at all in their lives. A while back, before the pandemic, way before government ever got involved, people were voting church non-essential by simply walking away from it. This is my generation and the generations that have followed. Um, We have been social distancing ourselves from God and from his people for quite some time. Recently, I heard this quote, and it comes from Barna. If you don't know who Barna is, Barna is a, a collection company, data collection company, that gathers stats and information to help pastors like me understand what's going on in culture and church so that we can make decisions. And they threw out a stat uh, recently that literally uh, it broke my heart. Here, here's what it is. Since COVID, since March, one-third of practicing Christians, so the, we're talking about regular church attenders, have ceased all interactions with the church. One-third. That means that one-third of the church is no longer participating in small groups. They are, they're not serving They're not giving, and they haven't watched one single service online. With one big pandemic swoop, the enemy has effectively taken out one-third of God's people in this country. And again, I just want to say these are not casual attenders. These are faith-filled, devoted disciples who are now disengaged. And it, it really does. It breaks my heart, not just as a pastor, not as a person who uh, shepherds a church, but as a follower of Christ. The reputation of the church is so tainted, and it's so damaged, and it's so confused that those around us see no relevance for it in their lives. I get it. I really do. I, I understand it because this was me. When I first started to follow Christ, and fell in love with him. I struggled with the church. I would say things like, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Or I love Jesus, and I'm going to follow him, but I want nothing to do with what they're doing over there. And as I grew, and as I matured, and as I followed closer to Christ, I realized that you can't have that vertical relationship, um, because it's it's in line with the horizontal relationship that we have with people. You can't love Jesus and hate the people that he loves. You can't do that. So I had to wrestle with it within myself, and I thought, you know what? Instead of simply denying it or disengaging or pushing it away, my answer was I'm going to jump smack dab into the middle of it, and I became a pastor to see if I can change it from the inside out. Here's what Luke tells us. He says this. He says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Friends, if Jesus shed his blood to buy it, we should give our lives to build it. I'm going to say that again. If Jesus shed his blood to buy the church, then we should give our lives to build the church, to invest in it. I still believe in the local church. I believe that fellowship is essential, whether that's online or in person. 
whether that's with masks or without masks, whether that's in a building or in homes, we are still his bride and we are still his body. The church is not what we do, it's who we are. And so the question remains, who needs us? Who needs the church? Especially in this season. And so here's, here's who needs the church. Anyone who feels isolated. Anyone who feels alone. Anyone who feels disconnected. This past week, I went out to lunch with a former student of mine. And I got a chance to sit down with him outside at a picnic table. And literally two minutes into it, I, he has tears welling up inside of his eyes. I mean, he, he was physically shaking, and we hadn't even started our conversation. And I come to understand that he's got demons that he's been wrestling with. And because of that, his friends have, have left him, and even his family are not talking to him at this time. And he feels so alone in the midst of a pandemic, a pandemic on top of that, all this happening, and he feels isolated and alone. Friends, this is what the church is for. It is for helping individuals like this coming alongside. It was built for the forgotten. Unfortunately, we have had a history of casting people out of the church rather than doing what Jesus did, which was reaching out to those who are outcasts. The church, it should be outfacing. It should be the most welcoming place on the planet. We should be inviting every single person that we see to come on in and introduce them to Jesus. This is what Jesus talked about when he gave the parable of the wedding feast. He says, go, go, seek out the overlooked. We've already reached out and given an invitation to the privileged. They shut us down. They said no. So go out to the people in the street and invite them in. Invite them into what? Invite them into a feast. Invite them in to be family. And I have said this over and over again so many times. I'm going to say it today. The church is family. It's not a metaphor. It's, the church is not like a family. It is a family. We are family. The Apostle Paul, he said this. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into, here it is, his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Christ. And I love that he added this part. It says, this, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God is literally our father. In fact, he flat out told us that. He said, I will be your what? I'll be your father. And you, talking about us, will be my sons and daughters. And who said all this? Says the Lord Almighty. We are literally brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how the early church referred to themselves. It's how they identified themselves. It's how they saw who they were. And friends, it's still who we are today. As Sister Sledge said, we are family. And as family, we support one another. And this, supporting one another, is one of the hidden benefits of the local church. It's connection, it's community, it's fellowship, it's being seen, being known, it's being home is what it is. It's a hidden benefit of the church. 
my family and I, we don't always get along. Not every member of my household and my extended family get along. In fact, I don't agree with everything that they say. And this might come as a shock to you, uh, but they don't agree with everything that I say either. I, I know, it's shocking. But when push comes to shove, when everything falls to hell in a handbasket, I know that they have my back. And you know what? I have their back as well. Why? Because we're family. We're family, and that's what family does. Family stand alongside one another when things get difficult. And guys, things are difficult. That's one of the benefits of the church. That's one of the benefits. No one has to feel alone. No one has to go through this life on their own. We can do it together as family. Let me see if I can illustrate this. This right here is a solo cup. And you may have seen one of these before. They come in a variety of colors. There's, yeah, there's a yellow, there's blue, but my favorite is red. And a lot of us, we like to do life as a solo cup. We want to do it on our own. In fact, our culture celebrates the idea of doing life alone. Are you strong enough to live as an island? And what I'm going to tell you is nobody is. Because every single one of us, when we stand alone, all of a sudden, life brings pressure. It brings weight. And we're unable to take that weight. We're unable to take that pressure, especially in a pandemic. Now, you could try, and you can keep doing this over and over again. Maybe try with the left foot. Or, oh, maybe that was just a tough day. Things were difficult. See if I can take it and hold the weight of the world. And obviously, I have gained a lot of weight in this pandemic because um, it's not working very well. But here's the deal. Nobody was meant to do life alone. Nobody was meant to do it all solo. When you enter into the community of the church, you stand beside brothers and sisters of like minds who have the same goal in mind, which is to share the good news of the gospel. And that unites us, and we don't have to do life alone. We don't have to try to make everything happen and deal with all the struggles and a pandemic and schooling and homeschooling and, and it's, it's a lot. Is it not a lot? And so we can handle that and we can do this together. Nobody has to be alone and handle things solo. We can come together as a community of solo cups and do life together. And when we do that and we have that, the foundation of Jesus that unites us we can take the pressure of this world. We can take what it comes, the weight of the world, the weight of a pandemic, because one of the beautiful benefits of the church is that when we do it together, we can accomplish a whole lot more. We can carry a lot more. It's a beautiful thing. We do not have to do life as a solo cup. We can do it together. This is what Paul talks about. It's what he meant when he said uh, in Galatians 6, bear the burdens of one another. Yes, the church has its share of problems. Family, it's messy. It just is. My uncle always used to say that family is like fudge. It's mostly sweet with a few nuts. And he's absolutely right. That's how family is, and it's the same with the church. 
obviously, there are people in the family, brothers and sisters, who are a little different. We have brothers and sisters who are divisive and actually even destructive in what they're doing. But like the loud voices on Facebook, they are not the majority. There is no perfect family. You probably know that because you're in one. Just like there's no perfect family, there is no perfect church. This church, Arbor, we are not a perfect church. If you expect us to be, we will unfortunately let you down. If you expect me to be perfect, I will let you down. That's why we don't strive to be perfect, but what we do is we strive to be healthy. And there's a difference. When you strive and pursue perfection, that is all about performance. But when you seek to be healthy, striving to be healthy, that's about authentic connection. And that's what we want to be about. That's what the, sh- the church should be. Life-giving, out-facing, a place where people can belong. And so, friend, if you are feeling isolated today, if you're feeling alone if you're feeling like, hey, there's nobody that gets me, nobody understands, I, I need community, friend, welcome, come on in. We are here for you, and I mean that with all sincerity. We were welcomed by Jesus himself, and he welcomes you, and we care about um, whom he cares about, the things he cares about, and he loves you, and that means we love you too, and so come on in. Be a part of our family. That's what the church is for. The church is for those who feel isolated. It's also for anyone who is hurting. Who needs the church? Anyone who is hurting. Anyone who is grieving. Anyone who is in pain. If you've experienced loss or you've taken a hit lately, the church is for you. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. When my daughter got sick, and actually when she got sick and diagnosed, that was six years ago. And friends, that was six years ago to today, the day that we're recording this. This is the anniversary of her diagnosis. We call this Diagnosis Day in my family. And when she got diagnosed, what was the most tragic thing that could ever happen was also surrounded by one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen and experienced. And that was when when all of a sudden everything did go to hell in a handbasket. The church surrounded us, and they cared for us, and they loved us in outlandish ways that I can't begin to explain. Truly, people from all over the country, all over the world, were, were sending in gifts and, 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 and letters and thoughts and prayers and, and, and even money so that we could go and do things as a family. It was ridiculous, the love that was lavished upon us. In a moment when we can barely breathe, we had people holding us up, mowing our yards, bringing us food so that we could just get through the next 45 minutes. It was terrible, but in the midst of that terrible, in the midst of that hurting, there was a beautiful thing happening, and that was the church surrounding us exactly like the church should be. And so when it came time for us to start a church, when we started Arbor, 
I wanted that to be a part of it. What I experienced, I needed that to be centric. That's why we have that phrase, helping the hurting. We are all about trying to help the hurting. And as a result of opening the doors to the hurting, we have found so many come through our doors who are hurting, who are in pain. We've even created as a response a care ministry. And, and, and truly, this ministry, the whole point of it is simply to help look for opportunities to help the hurting. That's what this whole ministry exists to do. And here's what that ministry has done lately. We have covered rent for struggling single, single mothers. We've helped widows with moving, provided meals for the sick, new moms, and the wounded. We've gifted gas and grocery cards for emergency care. We've prayed with the dying and sat with the suffering. We've helped mow lawns and household chores for those who all of a sudden are physically unable to manage what's going on in their yards. We've coached seniors on how to use Zoom and even charged how to charge their hybrid car. We've played golf with those who are in desperate need of an emotional distraction. We've sponsored Christmas for families in crisis. We've sent encouragement to the many law enforcement families that are a part of Arbor. We've helped provide vehicles and new tires for single moms. We've supported those in addiction recovery. We have assisted with medical bills for parents suddenly unemployed by COVID. We've crafted with seniors. We've helped provide shoes for those who are without We've sponsored lunches for families in need. We re-roofed houses. Friends, we have given away tens of thousands of thousands of dollars to local organizations like Woodenville Storehouse, Compassion, Medical Teams International, and Rescue Freedom. This, this is one of the things I am most proud of when it comes to our church. This is what I hope that we would be known for. This is what I want to lean into, what I want to pour gasoline on and do more of. This is real ministry, helping the hurting. And Paul encourages us in this. He says this, he says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And what he's talking about there is he's talking about those who are part of the church. We want to help the hurting. That's what we want to be about. Now, can I at least address the elephant in the room when it comes to the church and it comes to pain? I know that there are some of you who are out there that the moment I started talking about helping the hurting and the church being a part of that, that all you could think of was the fact that you have been hurt by the church. Not helped by the church, but hurt by the church. Somewhere in your past, the church has caused you pain. And if that is you, I simply want to say that I am sorry. On behalf of the church as a whole, I want to say I'm sorry. And I mean that with all sincerity, as much as I can muster, I am so incredibly sorry and as much as I'd like to, I can't erase what happened, and, I, and I'm not going to make an excuse because I don't know what happened. And personally, I know that I have wounded people with my words and with my choices that I've made for the church. 
And so I understand that you expect more from someone who carries and bears the title of pastor. And if you have been hurt by me or my fellow kin, I just say I am so incredibly sorry. We do not always get it right. But the church, the church was meant to help. It was built, it was designed, it was created to bring those who are hurting to the helping and healing hands of Jesus. That's what the church is about. That's what I desperately, desperately want to do. That's, that's what we started this thing for. I have personally felt what it's like to live in unrelenting pain. And I don't want anybody to experience that alone. I don't. No one has to hurt without hope. No one has to hurt alone. And so if you're there, if you're in pain, if you're hurting, if it's just too much right now and the pandemic is weighing on you and you can't shoulder it anymore and it's physically hurting you, please know that this church, this community was created for you. It really was. Your pain doesn't make you a burden. Your pain makes you normal. Your pain makes you just like us. And like I said, Jesus loves you. And because he loves you and we love what Jesus loves, we love you too. And this place is for you. We want to help shoulder that weight and the pain that you carry and help lead us all as we walk together in the healing hands toward the healing hands of Jesus. That's what the church should be. We are here to help the hurting. So, who needs the church? Those who are hurting, those who are isolated, and anyone who needs Jesus. Anyone who needs Jesus, which I get pretty much, <laughs> it includes everyone. Because Paul said this, he said, for everyone has sinned and falls short of God's glorious standard. And so if that's the case, if that's true, which it is, what do we do? How do we solve the sin problem? Bottom line, we can't. But God did. Paul would later tell us, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that, here's the purpose, we could be in, made right with God through Christ. Everybody, and I mean everybody, needs Jesus. Even those who don't think that they need Jesus, who cannot see, do not recognize their need for him, they still need Jesus. And guess what? It's our job as a church to lovingly, truly lovingly help those who cannot see, see the truth and embrace the truth. This last week at Tent Church, the very last Tent Church, I was in the very back and I was with my family and my son was on the ground. He was on the blanket and he was, uh, he was playing with the grass. And so in worship, I sat down next to him. And, and, and Percy, I, I, he just all of a sudden started to talk, and, 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 and I was thinking, oh my gosh, be quiet. Don't, don't, make, don't be a distraction. But what he said was so beautiful. He said, Dad, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, buddy, trying to be quiet. He says, you know what? It's good that we're here. 
And, and I'm like, okay, that, that's, that's, okay, why, why is it good that we're here, buddy? And he said this, he says, he says, that way people who have forgotten about Jesus can hear about him again and remember. My son is five, but he hit the nail on the head, the nail right on the head. That's why the church exists. And friends, we will always, always, always be a Jesus-centric church. As long as I'm here, as long as I have any influence, we will be a church that points people to Jesus. That is our purpose, right? That's what our purpose is, making disciples. People helping people find and follow who? Find and follow Jesus. What makes the church the church is Jesus. And he is the only one who can bring about true, authentic life change. Jesus didn't come to simply make your life better. Jesus came to change your eternal future. And knowing that makes you better at life. Jesus loves the church. Paul makes this clear. He says, Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, for us, for his bride, to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. If we are truly followers of his, then we will care about the things that Jesus cares about. We will care about what he cares about, and he cares about the church. Because if Jesus shed his blood to buy it, like I said before, we should give our lives to build it. And so let's talk practical for a second. Let's talk arbor-centric. What do we do right now? What's next for us as a church? With all the restrictions, how do we do church? Now, please remember, church can take many different forms. It has for generations upon generations. Church in homes, church in public, church forced by the government. It has taken many forms. The method and our preference isn't what's important. It's not the most important. What's the most important is that Jesus is lifted up because he tells us in scripture that when he's lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. And so here's how Jesus is going to be lifted up by Arbor in the fall. We are going to gather. It's just not going to be on a Sunday morning with a large crowd. We are going to gather in small groups. Friends, we're going all in on groups in the fall. I've said this before. In the past, we've said groups are important. But right now, for this season, the season that we're in, I think groups are absolutely essential. And if you're not a part of one, we've got to be a part of one. Here are the two options for groups that we have moving forward. Number one, there will be groups in person. Uh, since there are size restrictions in homes, we are going to do groups. Most of them will take place right here at the church, in the church building. We are allowed to do that. And so here's what we're doing. We are going to create family rooms throughout the church. They will be, you know, following all the recommended safety precautions. There'll be social distancing, all that kind of stuff. But we are creating family rooms so that people can come together and fellowship. 
People can come together and disciple one another. People can come together and hear the good news of Jesus. It's just not going to happen right now on a large scale on a Sunday morning. It'll happen on a smaller scale, which guess what? It's going to be a whole lot more intimate. And we're going to put all our eggs in this basket. So one option is you can do groups in person. Secondly, you can do groups on Zoom. And I get that some of us, if not all of us, have Zoom fatigue. But the author of Hebrews says we should not forsake the gathering of believers, which one-third of the church across the nation is in the habit of doing. And so, if you are not quite ready to meet in person yet, this is a great option. This is a way to stay connected and to continue to grow in your faith. Um, Here's what's exciting about this. Doing groups online opens groups up for those who are outside of our area. There are so many people who have found us on the web since COVID forced us all to jump online. And there are a new part of our family who now can connect on a more intimate level. And so it will not just be for the local. You, if you're not local, you can be a part of the Arbor community. And what I love about that is that for those who have moved away out of state, uh, who were a part of our church for a period of time and then got a job somewhere else or you are delusional and you think that Idaho is better than living in Washington and so you've moved away for one reason or another, you can come back and be a part of the Arbor community through groups. And so those are the two options. We're going to be going all in on groups on per, in person and groups online. Now, yes, we will continue to do services online, and guess what? We're going to do this indefinitely. This will be happening from now on. Cameras will be a part of the church from this point moving forward, not just this church, but I think churches across the nation. But right now, in this season, if you consider yourself to be a part of this body, if you want to grow in your faith, if you're feeling isolated or you're hurting or you just need to hear the good news of Jesus, I want to encourage you to join a group. We're going to be starting them here in the first week of October. And I, friends, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of this, not just for the life of our church, but for the health of you as an individual. Part of the Barna stats that we looked at um, that came underneath that one-third or abandoning the church was that those who are one-third and not connected to a church are losing hope. They are struggling in their lives, and it's saying that they're struggling far more than those who have stayed connected to Christ, those who have stayed connected to the community of the church. And so we will not forsake the gathering of believers And this is how, groups are how we are going to accomplish that in the immediate future. Yes, friends, we will get back together again as a corporate church down the road. We truly will, but for right now, it's going to be groups, groups, and more groups. I'd like to close with the words of Paul as he describes the church in connection with Christ. Here's what he says in Ephesians 2. You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He is using us 
in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he is using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. Let's pray.